Welcome, welcome, everybody. It is another episode of Divi Chat. I'm so happy to be here. We have a topic that has been somehow languishing in our list of topics for maybe a year, several months anyway, and we are finally getting around to tackling it. I'm not sure why it's taken us this long, maybe because there's a lot to figure out with this. Today, we are talking about Google tools, mostly free tools for the most part, unless you pay for um, workspace. I think that's the only cost involved in any of these. And even those tools, if you don't pay for them, they're free too, just limited. So uh, so we've got a ton of ground to cover today. I'm going to try and behave this time and keep keep my arms around the timing of this because we went so far over last week, even though it was a really fun episode and had tons of gold nuggets in it. I don't want to... Um, take advantage of your precious time either, dear listener. So um, so we each have decided to select a couple of our favorites, and we're just sort of going to go around in a circle and each get to bring up one, um, two, maybe three of our favorite Google tools, each of us, and then we can have a discussion about how we're using them. Before we dive in, would you like to meet your panel? Let's start right here with Miss Sarah Oates back from the depths of COVID. Hey guys, Sarah Oates here from Endure Web Studios. I am sounding much less like a frog today, although still a little bit. So you'll have to excuse me if I'm not quite at my 100%. Uh, but you can catch me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on the socials. I just was on a podcast for our good friend Josh Hall yesterday. So if you feel like hearing my voice more at a very fast speed. I listened yesterday. Jeez, don't ever listen to yourself. It's it's horrific. But if you'd like to listen to me, you can go and listen to that podcast. Um, and today is our second last day at 9am for us Australians. And so just oh, keep that no. in mind as we go forward on the Divi chats that we've got one more week of 9am, then we go to 8am for three weeks. And then we're back at 7am for all of winter. Oh. So... Welcome, Australians. Welcome. <laughs> so with everything that comes uh, as it's sort of a flip side, because whenever you go to the to the early start, Sarah, it means it's warming up over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay. Um, yay. Uh, so we are talking about free tools with Google tonight and uh, Web Design Pro. You'll be free falling with delight. Free as a bird to win new clients and freed from desire to work with anyone else. Um, my name is Mike Devitt and you can find me at www.webdesignpro.co on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. And for those of you that like things that are free, don't forget that Divi Chat is free every week and has been since episode one. Which was six years ago. Six. Wow. Yeah, if you exciting. you know what speaking of if you've got some benefit out of this show in the past six years whether you're new or whether you've been there since the beginning you know what we would love just a little review that's it that's that so much to ask maybe a thumbs up <laughs> just five little stars is that so much to ask go ahead Eric. No. all right hey everybody um my name is eric and i am actually broadcasting from mexico city um and when sarah started mentioning time change I had to reach over and make a note because I realized I've never looked to see if Mexico does daylight saving time. <laughs> we were in Peru and the time didn't change. And so suddenly I'm like, 
I don't know if it's going to change here. So I've got some research to do on daylight savings in Mexico City now. Um, I am, um, so I own In Transit Studios. That is my web design and digital marketing agency. We help local businesses get more customer activity by turning their websites into marketing hubs. Um, and you can also find me, um, my personal website is ericdingler.com. Eric. Yeah. Mexico does not yep. do DST. Yes. Just looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Saved you. Saved you all that time. Thank you. Thank you. It's all such a hassle anyway. Hey, you guys. I'm Stephanie Hudson. Welcome. Um, oh, I just realized I have the wrong link in my, <laughs> my, my <laughs> photo here because I was on a different webinar. If you're into accessibility, feel free to go to that one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> FocusWP.co is our website where you can get an instant team for as little as $61 an hour. You can get anything you need to help your agency to scale and grow, whether it's taking on an entire new project or just throwing them something that's really bugging you. You don't feel like you have the skill set to tackle. And I would also encourage you to head over to our Facebook group, Focus on Your Biz, where we get into tons of cool uh, business chats and conversations, particularly on our Thursday night focus groups, which happen at Divi Chat O'Clock. So, um, okay, now we've got, we decided to talk about Google tools, you guys. And I was like in preparation for this article because believe it or not, some of us do prepare for this show. I went and I was like, let me do a little searching. And I made a list and I started to just type down like the, the usual suspects, right? When you think of Google, you think of a certain few things that you use. And then the list kept going. And then I started looking at other things and it kept going and it kept going. And then before you know it, I had a list of 45 things. And then in our Slack channel, I went, oh my gosh, I forgot about fonts. Oh my gosh, I forgot about Chrome of like, you know, like these major ones that weren't even on my first list of 45. So the list ended up being over 50 tools long. And that isn't even an exhaustive list of Google tools. Um, I don't, I'm not an Android user and I'm not a Google home user. I have Alexa and an iPhone. Uh, so if you're, so those aren't really on my list. There's sort of a secondary list here. If, if those are things you use then this list gets exponentially longer because there's tons of tools tied up in that. So then we were sitting there with this huge list and it's like, wow, we are in serious trouble. We could talk about several of these for an entire hour on their own. So, um, we decided to divide and conquer a little bit and each get dibs on some of our favorites. So who here would like to go first? Any any takers who's a brave soul wants to dive into the first one? You know what, Mike Devitt, this was your topic idea way back in the oh, day. Oh, like thrown under the bus already. <laughs> Is that under the bus? I thought that was a privilege. <laughs> That's a privilege. Okay, I'm going to talk about Search Console. Mm. Uh, Search Console is the second greatest tool ever created by Google. Uh, it was formerly known as Webmaster Tools. If you look up Webmaster Tools, you'll find um, Search Console. Such a better name. What, Search Console or Webmaster no, Tools? No, Webmaster Tools. You think that's it's better? It's tools for webmasters. Search yeah. Console is so confusing because everybody does a Google search. They don't, it doesn't, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I got you, yeah. Um, it's an absolute behemoth of a tool and there are only a few people who have uncovered its glorious potential and actually bothered to read the bleeping manual. Um, firstly, no website should be without it. If you want to know what's going on, 
Google Search Console is the place to go. So you must install it immediately when a website goes live. And I would recommend using a domain property, although you will need another property, preferably the property that includes your preferred version of the site. So a domain property will cover the www dot version, the uh, and any other version of the site, even uh, a subdomain, whereas a preferred version might be your HTTPS www.version or the non-www.version. But I always um, install, I always uh, have both. So I have a domain property and then my preferred version because with the preferred version, you can then use another of Google's free tools, which is the robots.txt checker. And you can't use that with just the domain property on its own. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Um, as there's so, going to be a lot of, I didn't know that as much. Let me just say this too. Like as much as we all think we know Google tools, like you watch, watch how many things you realize in this episode that yeah. you didn't, including all of us sitting here. <laughs> yeah. So you verified your ownership of the domain and you're now up and running on search console. What should you look at first? We have to wait a few days and the results start coming in. And when you when you when you start using Search Console, you start with the overview screen, and this shows the clicks that you have in a very attractive graph. And then, just as importantly, underneath that, the page indexing that Google has done. So, what Google does is it runs through your entire website and picks up every single page that you have allowed it to check as part of your of how it's going to represent your website on the internet. Um, you will, after a time, then see an experience section that has like an overview of the uh, of the experience that Google has of your website and then something else called the enhancement section. I'm not going to go into those now. Um, the next most important thing you want to look at is the performance in the left hand menu. And this is where things get interesting. So Google provides the website owner with all the information about what searches a visitor is typing in to find the website. This is known as a query. So if you're um, a, a flower shop uh, and somebody and you're in, um, let's just say, in Maidstone in Kent and somebody types in flowers in Maidstone, then you're hoping that your website is going to come up in one of its uh, in one of Google's paginated results. Um, so what Google then shows you, it shows you that query. It shows you how many times Google has showed the website in those results. The CTR, which is known as the click-through rate, and this is shown as a percentage, and where Google placed the website on average for that search. So you can see for that search where you appear in Google's paginated results. So some people regularly see, number one, the really successful websites for a query, and other people uh, see the average result a lot less, maybe 50, maybe 60. You will spend a lot of time studying this. This is something, especially when you, you know, show it to uh, potential clients uh, afterwards and say, look, this is what's happening to your website. Um, and but Google has only given you so much information in this tool because it'll only show you the first 1000 queries. It is limited. So what you then have to use is you have to use a, an extension, a Google Sheets extension to uh, pull out many, many more queries uh, out of your website if you want to export those queries. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, I did Everybody, it on my okay, website. I changed it. I changed my rule. Every time one of us says, oh, I didn't know that. If you're listening at home, you have to take a shot. 
<laughs> yes. Um, and once you've used that, once you've used that and you pulled out the data, I did it on my website the other day. So it showed me a thousand queries and I pulled it out and it had 10,000. So just to give you an idea of the depth of query that you can pull out into a Google sheet and then you can see all of the data. Um, you can click on any query within Google Search Console and then you can start to drill down on the information that's provided. You can see the country origin of the search the device that was used to search for your website, how the search appeared to the user like an accelerated mobile page. Uh, we abbreviate that to AMP. And then the dates um, that also shows the clicks and impressions for that date. But the most important thing in Google Search Console is the indexing area. Because if you don't look at what Google's indexing on your site, you might just be presenting a load of really poor pages to Google and Google's like running through your site going, I don't want that page, don't want that page. I'm crawling that page, but I'm not going to show it. And then you'll get a list of results that say things like crawled, currently not indexed, discovered, currently not indexed, uh, soft 404. And you'll get all of these messages from Google and your clients will too. And so if you can't answer those um, messages. I get regular messages from my clients saying, I've just been sent this email from Google say that, saying that clickable elements are too close together. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and so some of these messages that you get from Google are, uh, some are, are very important and you need to, to uh, understand why they're important and what you need to do about them. And others, you just need to reassure the customer that actually this was Google's uh, server not com properly completing its indexing uh, and then throwing up a what we call a spurious result. So it's a, an excellent tool for understanding how your website is seen by Google and then what you can do to um, ensure that your website is tightly packed, looking great and only presenting the best content that you, you can to Google so that you can rank as high as possible. And that is I had a I... client come over to me just this week, like a maintenance yeah. client. So their yeah. host kind of decided they're shutting down their business. So I took over this website, moved it over. And then I said, hey, can you just like add me to the Google Analytics, Google Search Console? They said, oh, I can't find Google Analytics. You're not in our list. And I was like, okay. And then he said, but I've added you to the Google Search Console. And so I go log in and I look at it. Site, You know, when you go to the sitemap, um, on the yeah. side, sitemaps, it's yeah. the first thing you should do when you launch your website, yes. right? Like clear the cache yeah. and then run the sitemap, assuming yeah. you've set up like Yoast or whatever correctly. There is no sitemap in this website. So they've got Google Search Console, right? But they never submitted a sitemap. So then when you go to pages, it says there are 68 pages not indexed <laughs> and there are seven pages indexed. Well, this site only has six pages. <laughs> and so when I look through it, the pages it has chosen to index are a page with a redirect, um, a 404. <laughs> like they're not even their seven pages that they have for their they website because they never yeah. submitted the sitemap. And so Google is working really hard to try and index this website and they have not given Google the help. So like one of the best parts about Google Search Console is you get to control telling Google 
please come and look at my website. And when you come and look at my website, yes, I have a hundred pages and I've got these categories and I've got these tags and I've got these, whatever. Don't worry about all those. I want you just to look at these things and then Google will listen to you. Like you get power over Google. And then if Google is not looking at one of your pages, you get to say, uh, excuse me, Google, uh, this page matters. Can you please come look at it? And so I think like, oh, Google search console, if you use it right, has so much power, but how many people don't even submit a site map? And then they say, yeah, I, I put you on Google search console. No worries. Like, but did you? Because you didn't complete the process. Yeah. The great thing about that as well, Sarah, is, is that you can also, when a customer comes back to you and says, you know, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about my website's performance and uh, I've been looking at Google Analytics. And it's a weird thing how some people know about Google Analytics and are prepared to go and have a look at that. But Google Search Console, and maybe it's the yeah. naming that Stephanie was saying, it's like, well, what does that mean? Um, that they're not prepared to actually go and look at Search Console as well. And then you've got the, by having it set up from the beginning or getting access to it, then you can see all of the history of that website as well, because with Google Search Console, it will show you the last 16 months of data. Uh, There are some um, uh, other tools out there that uh, are in the, um, that are being advertised at the moment um, that uh, are, are able to take that data and hold it for longer. Um, so there's a guy called Daniel Foley-Carter who's got something called SEO Stack, and I really recommend going and looking him up on LinkedIn. And he is uh, quite amazing with what he's um, doing on LinkedIn at the moment. Um, but he uh, is very – he's almost building another Search Console. Um, so he's taking what he thought should have been in Search Console and making a brand-new tool from it. So um, there are uh, people that are around like him that are, are doing that. Um, Google have also just uh, introduced uh, uh, another uh, aspect of Search Console, and uh, it is uh, being able to pull out reports into BigQuery. So again, exporting whole loads of data so you can arrange for that data to come out and then be exported into a, another project as well. So there's lots of things in Search Console that people don't, truly understand its power and how it can help and exactly like Sarah's just said if you've got a situation where somebody's coming to you and they're saying I don't understand why my website's not ranking this web this guy put it out there six months ago and we're we're not being seen for anything search console will help you find the answer you know what else I think sometimes people don't understand is like when somebody says to them like we're each going to take five minutes to talk about a tool (laughs) who did that (laughs) Who did that? Who made that mistake? <laughs> oh man! Eighteen minutes in, Mike's done with his with the first I'm one. Done. I'm done. Um, I know, but that's such an important check it out. It is a good. It one. really is, and I put it in the comments. But I'm serious, Mike. Um, I would sign up for do a course. search console course. Yeah, you should. So. <laughs> uh, Sean Callahan has a question about it. Let's see if we can answer it sort of quickly. I'm working on a really large old site, 8,000 plus pages, uh, and a bunch of pages are showing crawl but not indexed. Any ideas? Google search yeah. budget? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there, there will be an element of that, Sean, but uh, also there will be a, those pages that, that Google is seeing. It's saying, look, I've, I've, I've crawled these pages, but I, I'm, I don't see any value and any worth in them. So years ago, Google would just 
throw everything in into the mix. It would just throw it out there and you and you wouldn't get a result like this. But what it's doing now is it's running through some of these pages and it's it's saying, well, it, it, there's no value to the uh, of this page to anybody searching. So I'm not going to show it. Or it could be that it ran through it and it didn't run through it properly the first time. So you should give it another chance. So you should try and get in Google to re-indexing. And I've done this with pages in the past where I've asked Google to um, run through a page two or three times. I've gone through testing it. So you take the URL and you put it into the um, uh, URL checker and you test that URL when you're testing it, make sure you're also looking at the screenshot afterwards as well, because if you've got a whole load of scripts running on your website and Google doesn't render the page properly, it won't index that page. So that's another tip that you need to have a, a, a think about. So look at you the screenshot. You can also kind of change your settings um, in Yoast like, and cull out what is not necessary. Yes. So like, go through and make your changes and then resubmit your sitemap. So once you resubmit yep. your sitemap, Google will then go and kind of fix itself up and sometimes then it will pick up some of the new pages. But 8,000 is a lot of pages. Like, yeah. Just be patient yeah. with it as well. It, it's going to take a long time to sort that out. It's not You're not going to suddenly wake up tomorrow morning and those 8,000 pages are all going to get sorted out because you press the validate button. Um, it will take time. Good question, though. Thanks. Okay, mm. who would like to go next, Eric or Sarah? You can go, Eric. Okay, I'll jump in. So one of the tools I was going to talk about uh, real quick is Google Trends. Um, I really like Google Trends a lot. I use it uh, primarily during um, my uh, sales funnel. It's a big part of the the webinar, um, but I also use it just in pre-sale meetings with clients and stuff like that. And then it's a good thing to teach clients how to do. Um, so the good thing, the cool thing with Google Trends is you can go in um, and you can drill down to not just a country, but you can get down to the city level and you can put in a search term and Google will show you and you can adjust the parameters. You know, I'll look over the last, I like, I like to look over the last five years and you'll see the trend of, for that search term. Um, and you can see it ebb and flow. And if you put in like, right now, if you put in restaurant, you can see that it literally bottoms out to zero during the pandemic um, or things to do near me bottoms out, yeah. right? During the pandemic, because nobody was searching for those things. Um, but then you can see afterwards that search volume is, is going up, but where it gets really helpful with clients is in a, you know, you can get down into a city and not just look for a term like restaurants, but restaurants can look and see what's the search term been for a specific type of cuisine or even a dish, you know, um, is, is, is an area, is a city, you know, searching, is the trend in that city um, been trending up or down for Italian cuisine um, or maybe it's been very specific for a dish spaghetti or something like that you can look over that and then you can start to adjust your your on-site content and even your your digital marketing accordingly um, so you know if you spend an hour or two in Google Trends with a with a client in a specific industry um, 
you can look nationally, and a lot of people do that, but the real power, I think, is honing down into the state, region, or, or city level even, um, and you can find out. And then you can do things like, is it is it uh, dentist, um, implant dentist, or dentist who does, an Im- who does implants? implants? Mm-hmm. Like, which one I, is trending? Eric, how- I got to get an implant. <laughs> There you go. I had no idea. So you can you can do some, you know, I, I wouldn't use it to do a lot of in-depth. There's other tools to do in-depth SEO um, comparisons. But for working with a client, and not only that, this is one of those tools, again, that, like, I'll, I'll, I'll do – I did a video not too long ago on it and, and sent it out just to my email list. Um because a lot of clients like seeing this and you look like a genius, uh, but most of them aren't actually going to do it, but they, they, so it's a good way to add value, um, but make yourself look, you know, good and smart. Um, so it's an, it's a service you can sell. So I like Google trends a lot. Excellent. I just want to point out that was two minutes and 22 seconds. Thank you, Eric. You just went <laughs> Mike three minutes. oh my okay well let's hit um google analytics because mike's already done google search console so of course google analytics is one of the most important and free resources that we have on the internet and when you're setting up google search console you're usually setting up google analytics and it's up to your preference which one you start with. doesn't really matter. Um, so Google Analytics, of course, is giving you data. So Google Search Console is showing you what do people search for. When they search in Google, how do they find you? Like what do they actually click on? Whereas Google Analytics, it doesn't matter what they use to search. If they're using Bing, if they're using that duck, whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's telling you, yeah, who is coming to your website. doesn't matter the browser they're on. Google is very kind of like they love their own stuff. So Google Search Console is really just in the Google world, right? Whereas Google Analytics is showing you all the data of all the people who have looked at your website. And so getting Google Analytics tracking code in the back of your website is essential for when your website launches. And it's a really important part if you are inheriting a website and redesigning it, it's really important that you don't then just go set up a new Google Analytics because unlike Google Search Console, that is its own unique beast, Google um, Analytics, its code stores data. And if you put a new code in, you don't have any of the old data. And so it's really important that you ask the previous developer or you go and find the tracking code that was living inside it. Ideally, you want to be added to the account. So then you can just kind of move on with that same account. Um, Where you want to put that Google tracking code in Divi, because this is Divi chat, is under Divi theme options, integration, and you want to put it in the head section. I know that the the little writing says in the body, this is the place to put Google Analytics tracking. I believe that. (laughs) And one of my websites had no data for years. Because when I was beginning, I believed that it said. So make sure you put it (laughs) in the head. Um, And the other important thing to know about Google Analytics is, of course, there's been the UA codes, which have been there forever. Google Analytics 4 has now come along and it is the new thing. If you're setting up a new one, it'll automatically set you up in Google Analytics 
or if you have an old one, you're going to need to migrate it. Uh, there's lots of great stuff around online about how to do that. It is a really important process. If you just let it naturally migrate itself, it will naturally migrate itself. However, you might lose some bits of information, so you're probably better to do it yourself. We could do a whole topic on migrating from UA to Google Analytics 4. It's a really important well, process. Not everyone's maybe. happy with Google Analytics 4. I think the data is a little easier to read, but at the same, and also it's now tracking events in a way that it didn't used to. So you used to have to manually track things like um, button clicks or those kind of things, whereas it is starting to store that information all on its own. But of course, then you've got issues with Google Analytics and the UK. So in the UK, I think it's completely banned in the UK, isn't it? Or do you just have to have it like a, a verification? Just um, Google Analytics. No, it's not banned. I don't know about that. Anyway, do do your okay. research there. Um, <laughs> it is really important that when you sign up for Google Analytics 4, there is a spot you have to ch- like do a check mark that says I have put the relevant um, text or like relevant kind of information, privacy information on my website before I have put Google Analytics on my website. So if you're ticking that button you better have put that in your privacy policy because you have said you have. And so you need to kind mm-hmm. of cover your bases from that tr- that perspective. You are collecting data from the people who are coming to your website. There are legal implications. Let's not go into all of that. The most important thing is Google Analytics is giving you data about who is coming to your website, when they're coming to your website, what are the most common uh, pages that are getting traction. You might suddenly discover that one of your blogs is like getting heaps of traction and you never even thought of it. We've used it for us in terms of realizing some topics are really interesting, like people love particular topics and we didn't know. That's all coming through this kind of data that's telling us People want to hear about more about this. So let's like write more blogs about that or, you know, like let's sidestep that and kind of go down that track as well. So it's giving you data. Even if you don't choose to look at the data straight away, you want it to be tracking it so that at some point when your client two years down the track wants to know information, you can say, no worries. I have that information for you. Um, the other thing to note just really quickly is you do not have to have a Google Analytics plugin on your website. You can, you can choose to put one on for your client because some clients find Google Analytics too full on. They don't want to look at Google Analytics. They just want to go in the back of their website and they want to see their information. There's free ones. They'll give you a basic bit of information. All it is doing is pulling from Google Analytics. It's not doing anything itself. So you don't have to have one installed, but you can if you want to. There are ones like Monster Insight that will give you even more information. And they used to be more, more important before Google Analytics 4. Uh, they're paid versions. There are paid versions. You can use them. Some clients want them because they give them the data in a format they can digest. That's on them. It does take some processing in the back end of your website. It's your choice if you want to do that, but you do not have to have one. So don't feel like you have to. The only thing you have to have is the bit of code in Divi, theme options, integration in the head. The end. Love it. How did I go? How was my time? Another another good thing to use the Google Analytics for. 843. I'm going to take more of your time. Um, Is before a redesign. Uh, It's really helpful to look at the Google Analytics. I've had several times where. We, we've looked and we went back to the client and, and with a new site map based upon the Google Analytics. And it was like, we're, we, we recommend you just dump 
you know, these five pages. Nobody ever looks at them. So why, why have them where I have the content? Like it's, they're literally useless pages and they were very appreciative of that. So good way, another, nice. just some, another way, way to use it. Great. Love we have it. a couple uh, questions about analytics. Um, so Daniel Cooper's saying he contacted Managed WP this week. They still don't support GA4. This is not, Managed WP is not alone. Um, there are a lot yep. of services that are not. And when is the cutoff? It's this summer, right? Or fall? I think it's I June or July this July. year. Which is um, Everyone's going to have to March get on board tomorrow, so. because it's the main thing that everybody is using. Um, and it is free. Like... But there are other options out there and other people are using other things. I I love Google Analytics. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm just assuming everyone's going to catch up because they're going to have to catch up once it's essential. So. And then they will have when to. It, when it comes to converting from UA to GA4, the universal analytics to GA4, uh, there was, there's been a bit of panic about this. We've had lots of task requests at Focus for that for us to do it for them, things like that. And then Google has been sending out emails offering to upgrade it for you. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think, Sarah, I think you touched on that, didn't you? Where it's like they could do it. Yeah, but like, we could. It, you may yeah, want to control it. We could actually do it, a whole but... topic. Yeah, because there's no. there's certain things you have to turn on, you have to approve things, and that stuff isn't going to happen automatically on its own. And so there's some things that, like, you you might want to have a bigger history. It automates to two months. You, you can say, I think it's 12 or 15 months. Like, there's bits that you want to turn on and you want to approve bits and pieces. And so, yeah, Guys, you could you let like, it just do it, but you probably you want would to. Like- hear an entire episode on analytics and search console either or or both let us know hit it in the chat whether you're listening live or you're listening to the replay uh let us know we'll yep. we'll make it so um okay so another question is do you add client sites this is uh e-media hosting this is justin do you add clients sites to your analytics account or get the client to add you as an admin on their account I see. Oh, you definitely want to be added to their account. Added to their account. You already get um, multiple accounts. Yeah, you only get fifty properties for free for with GA anyway. Um, But how do you get it added to their account? Is the next big question. Yeah, so it's user management in Google Analytics, uh, and then you just um, get them to add you uh, as a. uh, There's, there's, I'm thinking of Search Console as well as a manager and an owner. In, in one or the other, but it's as long as you get the highest um, level, if they want you to see all of the data with them and to manage it as well, um, as long as you get access to view the property, then you can you can see the property. I will look okay. up yeah, and share real quick in the, in the comments. We have a Loom video that we send out, you know, probably two or three times a month that walks through that we've made that's generic that says, here's how to invite in transit studios to your Google business profile. Yeah, we do Google analytics, Google search nice. console. I'll look that up real quick and, and drop it in the chat. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so what's the next question? Oh, Steve perks is late. Listen, I don't judge that Steve. Some people do. He says, is GA4 GDPR compliant? It was touched on briefly. Do you want to give a short answer to that? There, there are. The, the answer is a sigh. <laughs> it is a sigh yeah. because there is, 
because as you know, in the UK, um, we uh, came out of the EU, but we still, we still follow uh, EU rules. But there seems to there doesn't seem to be any actual real evidence of, of saying whether it is or it isn't. So Google Analytics 4 was Google's response to the criticism about UA. Um, right. And so it's it's Google's response to it. Uh, I don't think that I'd be very surprised if the uh, ICO uh, in the, um, the Information Commissioner's Office in the UK started um, going around and um, looking at everybody's use of Google Analytics um, because they would have thousands and thousands and thousands of sites to go through. Uh, the best way of, of looking at that is to go to the ICO site itself and see what they have written about it. Or if you ever want to contact the ICO and get their advice, then that's what I would do. All right. Um, I am. Oh, uh, Eric just popped his loom in the chat. Thanks for sharing that, Eric. Nice. We do that. We for do a promise few those were the big. To- those were the big topics. Where like the rest are gonna be so fast. Promise. <laughs> Stick with us. You know what, Sarah? I, I lied to you though. Not Yours my was- go again, is it? <laughs> Ten. It wasn't as bad as I, I, I looked at the wrong number. So. Steph hasn't done one yet. No, no. no. Steph. Pressure's on. Um, my, I'm going to pick Chrome for my first one. Ooh. That nice. is a Google tool that I don't even think of as a Google tool. That's like, this was like, I forgot to put it on my list until I was looking at something else. And I was like, oh my gosh, it is. It's to the point where Chrome is so ubiquitous with my computing. It's almost like yeah. it's it is my computer. It's not a Chromebook, obviously. I have a MacBook Pro and a Mac Mini, but Chrome is my portal to the world. And when you think of everything that like all of these things that we've talked about already, where are you doing that? In Chrome, probably, right? I mean, you there are other browsers, I obviously, but I, I'm a Chrome girl. And uh so just a couple brief tips that I've things that I've started doing to make Chrome mine is because I do have two computers, I sign in and mm-hmm. I use profiles as well, which really helps yeah. me. I've, I own two businesses. I'm affiliated with a third. I've got a couple hobby things. If I don't do that, like I will lose my mind. So I, I have um, a sweet tea profile, which is for all my agency client stuff. I have a focus WP profile. Uh, and I have a Bertha AI profile and I have a personal one and I color code them each. So they each have a color that matches those brands so that it's super easy to see where I'm at. One of the most helpful things with this is my Google login in those browsers. So whenever you're jumping around between, um, not to throw out some extra tools in the middle of all this, but like tools uh, like Drive, uh, sheets, all that stuff. If you're just clicking, if you click a link from say your email or Slack or something like that, whatever the last open profile browser window is, that's where it will open. And if you happen to be, you know, if you're logged into the, that account, it wasn't the right one, blah, blah, blah. But it's a little bit easier than if you had to like log into another account, or if you have everything all logged in in the same window, it starts to get confusing and you can start to make little mistakes that become problematic later like how many google drive accounts do you guys have i have a few and then you've got to go figure out like what drive is that file in you you want to just blow your brains out so um so using profiles and just and being like 
diligent about it too. Like staying only logging in to that profile's Google accounts or yeah, other I've made apps. personal ones a few times, but then I just always use the one profile. <laughs> Yeah. So I always have intentions of having like a personal and a work profile, but then I just use the work one. But I do use profiles for like, I've got one that's like a client one, for example. And then it just anytime I have to log into a client email account or Gmail account, it's all in the client profile. So then it doesn't mess up your other one. So I don't have one for every client, but just having one that's like a messy place for clients is quite useful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that just that tip helps me. And then uh, I had written down something else. Oh, um, one that I go through phases of using is tab groups. I, Mm -hmm. I am bad about having a 1000 tabs open in multiple windows and browsers. And it does put a hit on the like, the functioning of your computer after a point for sure. Yeah. Chrome, the newest version of Chrome actually has a feature where they're doing a lot better at suspending tabs that aren't being used, which is great. So that if you aren't looking at a tab for a while, it's it's going to stop reloading it and giving it any of your computer's juice. So that's great. But putting things into groups also can help you sort through your um, obsession with open tabs if you're anything like me. Nice. I also like the pin tabs. Um, mm-hmm. which makes them the tiny little thing, the way they all look once you have enough of them. But if you just pin them, <laughs> they go over to the left. And I have my standard in each profile, the standard like first four or five, which are, you know, uh, like for focus, I have our HelpWise account, which is our email, Facebook, BlogVault, ManageWP, our email marketing, and Twitter. And so right there, I have like all the tabs that I would normally need so that when I start that browser up, it just has those pin tabs already there for me. So those are my little tips. Um, the Oh, and the most powerful thing of Chrome, I forgot, is extensions, where you can yeah. have so many things. We did a topic a, lo- a long ways back. I meant to look up the yeah. episode number on our favorite Chrome extensions. That one could also be a redo because I have a lot of... Yeah, it's probably new ones. I use really, really actively now. Like that's just the way I use Chrome. So that's such a cool thing that it is so extensible like that. So, And of um, course the inspect tool. Like we spend our life in the inspect tool, right? Which of course other ones have. Yeah. Yeah. But Chrome's one is so much better than Safari, like a million miles better than Safari. So, and of course, incognito window, our saving grace when the cache is not working, when we're trying to work out, is it the cache? Incognito window is your friend, not just when you're looking for porn. (laughs) I don't do that, by the way. (laughs) It wasn't a part of the rule, but I think we should all take a shot for that one too. Just, well, you got my you got, get the gin. you got my fifteen-year-old to pause and look at me as he walked by. <laughs> Sarah, this well, is when I try and explain it to my clients, they're like incognito window. Oh no, like you know, and they get all freaked out about it. But honestly, the main thing is being able to work out: is it the cache or is it not the cache? That is yeah. the question. Uh, Justin the also mentioned Lighthouse. That's also yeah, in nice. spec. So many yeah. useful things. Yeah, there's a tiny in inspect. Again, inspect could be its whole own topic because we spend our life in there. And Peter so much says, she did not. 
<laughs> yeah, little fan of, Sarah. Off YouTube now. Ken had to take a shot on that one. He had to go. Man, you got a big rise out of people. That nobody responds Sorry. to my inappropriate jokes. What the heck? We're used to it. <laughs> We're a little more used to it. We're desensitized. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Want to go around again? Yeah, we're gonna have to yeah. be speedy. We can do it. Two minutes Uh-oh. each. Like, oh, come on. Okay, Maybe well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna. So this is lightning okay. round. Okay, lightning it is then. Well, I'm Bit. gonna do mobile mobile usability. Go for so it. we we, and this is also within Search Console. Um, but we'll also sort of very very quickly touch on uh, on page speed and what. Uh, was it uh, e-media hosting but uh, lighthouse test so mobile usability is within google search console uh, and it's under the experience menu and for years google's been talking about making mobile friendly test mobile friendly test yeah is that the one Uh, it is and it's in this section where you can see whether google thinks your site is mobile friendly or not and you can, there is a, also a specific uh, tool that Google uses for testing uh, the mobile usability of your, of your site as well. And then there's another tool, which is uh, in the inspect tool in Google Chrome, which is the Lighthouse tool, where you can see uh, how Google rates your site out of 100 for different aspects of, uh, of the website, whether that be SEO accessibility which you know that's a, a really good one it'll give you a mark out of 100 and then the big one which people spend way too much time getting consumed with which is page speed understandable page speed we i'll talk about page speed in another subject we might get it in uh, towards the end no, but won't. you'll always you will a lot <laughs> we won't um, you will often see uh, a disparity between the desktop version of your site where you might see i don't know 80 to 100 um uh, Google marks for your desktop version and then your mobile version, you might see it as low as 20 to 30 and think, what the hell have I got to do here? In the Lighthouse section, it will show you what it is you need to do. But the most important thing is to pay attention to what's in, in Google Search Console in terms of the actual mobile usability. And if you're seeing red in there, have a look at it, pay attention to it, look at what Google's asking you to do. Um, and uh, and then look to apply that and then validate. Don't forget to validate your fix for the changes that you've made. And sometimes you will see Google come back within uh, a few hours. Sometimes it will take days until you actually see whether you've actually fixed that issue or not. With mobile usability, it tends to be much, much quicker than um, page indexing. Uh, so when you're submitting something to page indexing and you're not seeing things happen as quickly as you might like, you need to be patient. With mobile usability, it's much, much quicker. You should see that uh, uh, you should see that turn from from red to green pretty quickly. Um, and that is mobile usability. Well done. <laughs> Very proud of you. All right. Eric, what do you got? All right. Google business profile used to be Ooh. my business. Oh. I love Google Business Profile. Um, Google Business Profile made me $2,500 earlier today um, and makes me money every single week. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, (laughs) It is fantastic for your business to make sure you claim and optimize your Google Business Profile. 
please make sure when you are setting up your Google business profile that you don't set the, if you're in the United States, the United States, if you're in Great Britain, don't set Great Britain. Don't set your country as your service area. Even if you have clients coast to coast, um, don't put the the coast to coast because the nobody's going to see it. The, the way it works is Google takes your service area and they put you at the very center of it. And then they do, if somebody searches for your business, a business like yours, they it's, it's based upon the geographic radius to where you are. If you put the United States as your service area, your geographic center is out in the middle of the ocean. Nobody's ever going to see your Google business profile. Um, go ahead and set it to your hometown. That's totally fine. Um, it's not that big of a deal. Load some pictures. The map go that part map part of the map goes away. It's no big deal. Um, but Google Business Profile is one of for me. It's been the easiest way for me to get in the door of local businesses, offering to help them with their Google Business Profile. It's the best lead magnet we have. It converts. All the every day, I'm getting new leads from our Google Business Profile. Um, every business wants help with it, and so it's a really easy thing to help with. Help for free for a little bit, charge for it, but it begins people walking up the value our our our, uh, our, our value ladder. And so I love Google Business Profile. It's great for businesses. And now, this isn't a Google product, but Apple has responded with Apple Business Connect. Y'all. Apple biscuits. That Apple, sounds delicious. Apple biscuits connect. <laughs> Apple business connect. It is like very few times does something come along where you can get out there on the front of it and be talking about it right now. And, I didn't and know about that for, one. Uh, <gasps> Everybody, take a shot. There you go. Apple business connect. You can now claim your Apple business, your Apple Maps profile like you can your Google Maps profile. You used to never be able to do that with Apple. It pulled it in. 55% of smartphone users are, I won't go into it anymore. I'm done. No, because we're on Google this time and we're going to run out. It's phenomenal. That's a good, that's another hot tip though. That's a little side, sneaky side tip. All right, Sarah, what's your next one? All right, my next one is Google Maps. Of course, Google Maps, Mm. I'm constantly using in my car or I'm working out how to get to a place or I'm searching something, where's the nearest I could never get home, et cetera. I would never be able to get home no matter where I'm at. Exactly. Click, take me home. Mind you, there's a new one in Australia called Waze. I don't know if you guys have it. You can like log with the police. Okay. Well, if you see a police, you can like log it and then you know whether there's going to be any speed cameras. It's amazing. So it, it is actually what I switched, switched to in the car. But Waze, navigation Go- for criminals. That's right. Like me. All right. Mm-hmm. So Google We're Maps API. Like COVID is the thing really I'm- broke you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Man. Um, so Google Maps API, of course, we use it on almost every website. And that is to be able to display a map on your website. The great thing is it's already integrated with Divi. So you do not have to add another plugin. Google Maps, there is a Maps uh, module. So you can use that, of course. And then under Divi theme options, you've got your option to put in your Google Maps API. There's also a little question mark above there. And if you click on that, it will give you the link into 
kind of a blog posty thing for elegant themes. Inside that blog posty thing, there is a link. You click on that link, it takes you over to Google. So you don't even need to know where to go to. You just follow the kind of the links. It takes you to the place, you add a new API, make sure that you lock that API into the domain that you're using, add your staging site as well as your main one. Sometimes I find it doesn't catch up very quickly. So sometimes I'll do it with no restrictions, get it functioning. And sometimes that takes a good five minutes, even an hour occasionally. But then once that is working, then I will lock it down even to the page that I'm like just to the contact page, for example. And so then it can't, that API can't be used on anything except for that. I personally just set it all up in my own Google Analytics account. I don't like, you know, try and set it up in each client's account. I just do it in my own one. I've, I don't think I've ever been charged. It hasn't been a big deal. Um, but it's all set up in Divi. It's all available for you. And then once you use your Google or sorry, once you use your maps, uh, module, just make sure that you both set the pin and set the center of the map. And then you can zoom in or out depending on how in or out you want to go. You can make it black and white. You can change the pin. Like, you know how it's got that ugly red thing. You can't change mm-hmm. it with CSS, but you can actually upload your own image if you want it to be a specialized little looking pin. Really easy to use. You do not need another plugin. It's all built into Divi. Great. Uh, I'm going to go real quick. And we, that way we can go around again because we do have eight or nine minutes left. Uh, how about Google Podcasts, you guys? If you oh, yeah. happen to be a Google Podcast yeah. user, you you could be listening to Divi Chat right now on Google Podcasts. It would be so meta. Anyway, so that's a good one. Anybody have any other little quickies that don't have a whole lot of – no, my, who am I talking to, Mike Devitt? you got a lot. No, I've got, it's not a quickie, but I'll, I'll try and do it quickly. <laughs> I know. That's oh. what I'm saying. <laughs> okay so um we were talking earlier about um and this is kind of related to mobile usability but it it is about page speed so if you go to pagespeed.web.dev or you go to developers.google.com forward slash speed uh, where you can read all about what google recommends uh in terms of trying to increase your page speed and that's even with google uh recommending if you're into the server game uh, re- recommending certain um, settings on uh, Apache and Nginx oh, servers. Cool. So have a look at that's on developers.google.com forward slash speed. Um, just remember, though, that all these tools that Google are providing are free that we've, we've been talking about. I know we haven't talked about Google um, uh, work, work, Workspace, Workplace. I can never remember what it's called. Um, but it's remember that it's all presented. You know down what Google is telling you and then decide when you're looking at the page speed results how important it is and whether you need to take any action. Do not to get attempt to get 100% on everything. You will spend weeks and weeks trying to do that in order to just see those lovely fireworks that Google gives you when you get a, 100 right away across the board. Um, the real money, fun. the real money is how much time had as much as your website contribute with its content to helping others find what they're looking for that's what google's going to rank your website for so whilst uh, looking at page speeding and paying attention to it and particularly at the moment with cumulative layout shift because they've upped the percentage of cumulative layout shift as a ranking factor within uh, its the, the page speed um, results 
Um, that's something that I perhaps would pay attention uh, to more. So that's when, as your page starts to render and as it starts to appear, are things moving uh, on it that may may make a user want to click on on that position? So you kind of see that quite a lot with um, websites that have got ads on them where mm. they've not placed Don't the ad properly. And so you go to click on something, you end up clicking on an ad and you're uh, creating a less than optimal experience. Yeah. There you go. Well done, Mike. Nice. Eric, you got another one? Yeah. I use Google Slides every day. Um, so uh, my webinar is built in Google Slides. Um, our, we, for, we have two maintenance plan levels, Foundations Care. They just get the report that comes from Managed WP. But then we have Studio Plus. And Studio Plus, we manually create the report each month. We call it a snapshot. And that is a Google Slides deck. Um, uh, the playbook is a Google Slides deck. Review, lead, report card um, is a presentation that we do, Google Slide deck. Um, I, I love it. It's easy to create a template. And then each time a client you start with a client, you can just copy it, rename it to the client's name. Um, and then after you present it to them, um, you can export it as a PDF and email them the PDF. Um, you can have speaker notes in there if there's things you want to remember to say at certain points and stuff like that. So I use Google it's Slides. PowerPoint. It's Google's PowerPoint. It is. Yeah. It's Keynote, yeah. PowerPoint. But the nice thing is when you get into the the Google ecosystem, uh, I've got them, um, you know, I've got the slide decks on my iPads. I got them on my phone. I got my computer. Mm -hmm. So wherever I'm at, I, I can jump in and access that. It's super easy to share access with my team. Um, and so I just really like them a lot. Awesome. Sarah? Nice. All right, my final one is Google Fonts, of course. So oh, Google Fonts are amazing. They're free. Like how we would be lost without them. Inside Divi, they have a large selection. It is not all of the Google Fonts. But it is a lot of the Google fonts. Um, and even the other day, I went to use one and the font weight I wanted wasn't kind of an option. But then there was a way to get around that even still. And so because it had loaded the font, I could still override the options that Divi had given me. And then it loaded perfectly. So often we use nice. Adobe fonts because they're really beautiful and they're great. But they are adding a script to your website. They are slowing your website down the tiniest bit. And so where you can can using Google fonts will make your website that little bit faster, load that little bit better. Um, you'll have less of that kind of, you know, like when it loads and then it shifts, like sometimes yep. if your caching isn't very good, you'll see one font and then it'll change to another one. That used to be really bad with Adobe fonts, uh, with Adobe, yeah, Adobe type kit. Um, it's got better than it used to be. But still, if you can use a Google font, there are a ton of them and often there'll be a thing where like we've selected a font but maybe they're not staying with us on maintenance. And so we find an alternative in Google. 99% of the time, yep. there'll be one pretty close. So mm -hmm. Google fonts for the win. That's amazing. Um, my next one, uh, guys, it's not, this is the one thing that isn't free, but uh, it's worth every penny. And that's Google Workspace. You can yep. use your own domain to use all of the Google things it is six bucks a month per user and you get tons of drive space and you get multiple custom domains. Like you can add a lot of domain aliases in there 
and so that you get email to multiple different addresses or and or domains and you can set it up so that i have like stephanie or contact or steph or hi or whatever it is and then multiple domains and then all of those just mix and match like so then you have all of those names at all of your domains just automatically and they it all just works and they all only ever take the same mx records and some of the dns things i wish cloudflare would add it some of them have the quick google mx record adder Oh, that'd be nice. What were you going to say, Eric? I was going to say, a, just a quick uh, power tip on that one. If you go to start if you go to start using uh, Google Workspace and you start to add team members, don't make their primary email their name. Make it the position, then make an alias that's their name. That way, if, Brilliant. you know, team members come in and out, if you have, like, we, we have a support um, at intransitstudios.com, but then that Peter's got an alias under that. And so he, when he gives out his email address, you know, it's coming through that. But then if he ever leaves, I don't like all that history is still there. All the docs are still there. All the slides are still there. Yeah. And so now when, you, when you deactivate an account or remove it, you can associate all of those things with another account, but that's a little yeah. messier. I, that's a much more eloquent, eloquent solution. So, um, yeah, I use the the Gmail. I don't usually use the web interface. I like an app uh, on my computer for mail, but I do use Gmail on my phone and tablet. I think it's an excellent mail app on those two things. But then you've got, you know, Drive, obviously, Docs, Sheets, cal- Calendar. I mean, are you kidding me? Google or- Calendar. I mean, we just live and die by it, right? I mean, like that's... Yeah, and it integrates not- with everything. Everything. Yep. Yep. So yeah. never like so that's why I, I kind of was trying to think of like workspace. How do you? What is workspace? It's all of these things powered up and branded under your domain, yep. basically. So, yep. uh, so that's not really one tool. It's just a way of branding all these tools. But uh, but anyway, yeah. I just think unless you're you're either in an Office three sixty five camp and you go with all those things and those tools, or you do yep. Google Workspace, you use all these tools. And I'm just a yeah. Google or you're girl. like most of us. And you've got both of them, right? Like you don't have both of them oh, I... like with the email address, but like we all need Microsoft software. So then we're paying for both. Oh. Like a sucker. I, I don't really pay. I don't think I do pay for Microsoft at this time, actually. I don't. I, I was don't... on like a family plan. I was on a family plan with Microsoft from like five years ago Start when they started like doing it an annual thing, like a subscription model. And for some reason, my dad signed up my mom's account first and my mom's account had to have like the master password and everything for me and my dad to use it for business it was a disaster <laughs> you guys remember any of the stories i've told about my mom and passwords anyway <laughs> all right guys we are right up over an hour 102 not too bad we just crushed through a ton of tools let us know what you want to hear about next do you want us to go through some more of these tools is this useful maybe this is just enough to spark your interest and give you um, a little more juice to get in there and use some of these tools that are at your disposal. Um, if you've got, uh, if you want to see our full list, I'm going to, I'm going to post this list on our website. So this will be in the show notes on the website only. I'm not going to fuss with putting this all everywhere. And then each of us, whatever we've talked about, we can go in and add a couple of our little specific notes under each one of them. So give it um, a few days. If you're listening live, 
for us to get all that up there. But then after that, this will be a little resource that will be there along with this episode on our website. All right, you guys, uh, any final words? Nope. Okay. Well, it's been awesome. This has been a whirlwind. It went super fast. It was a lot of fun. I will see you guys next week. Thanks. Take care. Bye.